0: and load. This is Steve Dace. The
1: Steve Day Show. And greetings. Welcome to Blaze TV radio and podcast. This is the Steve Day Show. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Happy Thursday, to all of you. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393 is how you can contact us here at The Blaze. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Access that by emailing the program. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Who doesn't like us? So keep liking us there a lot. Maybe maybe someday that like will come. And then you can also uh, follow us on Twitter for now at Steve Dace Show. We got a jam-packed show for you here today. What's it feel like to play the villain uh, in a pro-life movie? We're going to talk to the woman who did that coming up at the bottom of this hour. Uh, Next hour, we have some Theology Thursday, some three non-political questions coming your way as well. Uh, Speaking of questions, that's going to be today's topic uh, for this week's Theology Thursday. We're going to answer one of our listeners' uh, questions because it's it's a question that needs to be reset and answered a lot in the day and age that uh, we are currently living in. I mean, we're pardon me. We're in a day and age where uh, a major democratic presidential candidate like Kamala Harris just tweets out recently, thinking even in the last hour or so we cherish religious freedom in America, but it should never be used to discriminate. What she really means there is we can discriminate against your religious freedom. If we don't like your religion, that's, that's what she's really saying. Okay. So, how do we navigate those kinds of waters? Uh, We'll talk about that and more coming up a little bit later on uh, here in the program. There was another story I saw last night of a prominent uh, conservative on social media. I think her name is Rita Panahi, I believe is her name. Panahi, thank you. Uh, And she was banned uh, temporarily from Twitter. She's back now. Do you guys know why she was banned? Because she published something somebody sent to her that, was nasty to her. She published something somebody sent to her as a direct message on Twitter. From two years ago. From two years ago. And, and Twitter decided that that was sharing somebody else's personal information. This, this person, of course, was harassing her. Um, let me translate that for you as well. You're too effective and notable in deconstructing our shibboleths, so you have to go. And we were just looking for something. And we, we went back two years and, and we found this. That's what that really means, which means this is another reminder. When it's possible for us to do business with people who see the world the way that we do, it's not always possible. And, and when I say that, I don't mean somebody that just votes differently than you do or somebody who has a different view on what the top marginal tax rate ought to be or somebody who has a different view on even a particular foreign policy issue. I'm talking not just mere political differences. I'm I'm talking about fundamental views of reality. When it's at all possible to do business with people who are not at war with reality, we should take advantage of that. One of the ways we can all do that it's pretty difficult to go without a mobile phone in this day and age. That's why you want to take a look at Patriot Mobile, the only conservative veteran-led mobile phone company. You'll get all the same coverage you get from everybody else just without you know, the funding of all the causes that are trying to destroy everything that you hold dear and believe in. In fact, out of their own profits, Patriot Mobile has donated about $2 million to various conservative causes around the country just since 2015. And with plans starting uh, as low as they do per month, why wouldn't you want to make the switch and come on over? I mean, these plans start as low as $25 a month. In fact, let's use that as a promo code. Why don't we go to patriotmobile.com, use the promo code come on over, and when you do, you'll get a free month of service on any of the plans that you choose. A free month of service on any plan you choose when you use the promo code come on over at patriotmobile.com. And now here's Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away.
2: What happened while we were away, brought to you by Philadelphia. A gunfight erupted yesterday afternoon in a North Philadelphia neighborhood when police officers attempted to serve a drug-related warrant. A gunman opened fire, shooting six police officers. The standoff lasted eight hours, with the shooter surrendering after midnight. The suspect has a lengthy criminal history, including gun-related crimes. All six police officers who were shot have been released from the hospital. Naturally, the media and politicians took the opportunity to speculate wildly about the story.
0: The other part of this conversation, I doubt very seriously that if this shooter in Philadelphia was armed simply with a handgun, that this gun battle would be going on well beyond an hour. I think we can assume that he is also heavily armed with high capacity rifles or weapons and also has high capacity magazines.
1: What's your reaction to these initial reports? And I stress the word, initial reports.
0: Well, it's just, when will it stop, right? I mean,
2: um, part of of my focus on what we need to do around smart gun safety laws is recognize that um, we have to have more enforcement around gun dealers. Philadelphia's mayor said, but
0: our officers need help, they need help, need help with gun control they need help with keeping these weapons out of these people's hands
2: moving on the autopsy of jeffrey epstein shows he had multiple broken bones in his neck as a result of his alleged suicide last weekend as initially reported by the washington post the bones broken in question are typical in a death by hanging but even more so in a homicide by strangulation the official cause of death is still pending Speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, a recent raid of his Manhattan townhome yielded an oil painting of former President Bill Clinton lounging on a chair wearing a blue dress and red high heels. The Rainbow Jihad publication Pink News celebrated and promoted a story of pederasty yesterday. It centered around two men, 55 years old and 22 years old, who claim they've been dating for six years. The video profile Pink News performed of the two has been removed from their various platforms. And now, learning Spanish today, today's phrase is Please pour this bleach directly into my eyes.
0: Por favor, vierta este blanqueador directamente en mis ojos.
2: Beta O'Rourke relaunched his campaign today with an address to the nation. Monday. Project Veritas is releasing internal Google documents which purportedly show a list of websites which have been blacklisted by Google for use in their news search feature. The list of websites include those of Blaze TV hosts Glenn Beck and Stephen Crowder, among other well-known conservative publications. Apparently, President Trump is backing off his plans to commute the sentence of former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich. If CNN is to be believed, Trump apparently didn't know the circumstances of Blagojevich's sentence until two Republican lawmakers told him. And finally, be like this guy. and that's what happened well we were away
1: great stuff there at the end so the the bill clinton in a blue dress thing this is real because i i saw this last night and it was the story broke in the daily mail over there in the uk and so flip a coin all right if it's you know too legit to quit or not so this is for real then you have verified, this is a real thing. That, there really the was reports, an oil painting of Bill Clinton in a blue saying. dress. Yep. So is that a reference to the devil with a blue dress on, or is that long, a reference cool, to Monica? Long, cool Clinton in a blue dress. Yeah, is that a reference to Monica Lewinsky? Was Was her dress blue at the time? Do you remember? Yeah. It was blue? Okay, yeah. so that's probably what it's a reference to. It could even be a reference on multiple fronts. Um, Did you guys see on that uh, list that Project Veritas leaked out? you see grabian was on there grabian mm-hmm.
2: yeah and i i want to add this as well there's actually some left-wing news sources on that list yeah like two or three to one conservative to yeah. left wing but
1: still here's what for those of you that don't know what grabian is grabian is just an aggregator of clips and they're not all conservative clips by any means they, they tend to tilt a little bit more to the right but You know, we use it frequently for clips that we use in our montages. We use it frequently for uh, clips that we use on fake news or not. It's a great aggregator of clips. And a lot of people don't, uh, in the gen pop, don't use it because it's a pay service. Right? But we decide, those of us that work in the industry, people like us decide it's worth paying for because a lot of the pre-production that we would have to do about when to sync things up and time things up and edit it, they do all that for you, which makes it simpler for us to then share it with you. But if you go to their clips section at Grabian, you're not going to see a whole bunch of just right wing clips. You know, when they when they catch the liberal media uh, being themselves, they'll highlight it. But it's not just a, it's not this is not hashtag MAGA news aggregation by any stretch of the imagination. This isn't this isn't even a drudge. You think that's fair, Aaron? You use it more than anybody else. Is that a fair description? Well,
2: it's just literally clips of cable news. That's all it is. There's clips. I mean they just speak for themselves.
1: So what's the threat of a grabian then? Yeah, check your email.
0: I you gotta turn it off, is what I gotta okay. do. I mean,
1: it's okay if you do. It happens to all of us. I'm surprised this doesn't happen to me like on almost daily basis. I'm like paranoid about turning my sounds off. But I don't I don't know what the threat of a grabian is, except now that I think about it, I do. Because Grabian does exactly what I just said, it just gives you unfiltered clips and you can, here's the clip and then you decide for yourself what you think of it. And when, when people are hypocritical and they'll do this to people on the right, they don't hesitate to do it to people on the left. I mean, this, because this is an attempt to actually review the actual news, that's a threat, right? Cool. You, I mean, uh, you put Grabian on there because they're telling you what the news actually is saying and whether it's news or not. That's that's really the threat, right? How often do you say, if
0: I was running a commercial right now about something, it wouldn't I wouldn't even have to produce it. I would just quote, roll tape. Right. They don't want you rolling tape.
1: Yeah, and that's all that Grabian does. All, all, all Grabian does is roll tape. And for that, and then playing it back to make it accessible to folks like us, we can make it accessible to folks like you. For that, now uh, they get shadow banned for trying to share the actual news. I, I, think that, um, I, I think that gives you an idea of why we don't fact check the other side, because you're, you're just dealing here with no attempt at getting to the truth whatsoever, no attempt at self-awareness whatsoever. Simply, we have a narrative and we are going to push it, period. No other evidence to the contrary. Doesn't matter what happens to our ratings. None of that matters. We're just going to push our narrative. That, that's what we're here for. And when you delve into that level of propaganda, then there is no point in debating it. You just simply have to defeat it. You can't, you can debate people that even strongly disagree with you on fundamental things. But when you delve, when it devolves to the point that we are that that we're just here for the propaganda, then the debate is ended. And all you can do is just defeat those who are peddling it. And you see this as well in the reaction to what happened in Philadelphia last night. Now, our Daniel Horowitz did a count this morning. And I believe he said the number is 37. 37 items on this uh, Philly cop shooters rap sheet going back to 2007. 37, folks. 37. Several of them are firearm crimes. Why is he on the street? Why, why is he on the street? You don't like three strikes and you're out? Okay. I mean, I, I was kind of fond of it. I, I thought, other than every time he talks about North Korea, one of the lowest points of the Trump presidency was criticizing Joe Biden for being for the crime bill, which is where we got three strikes and you're out back in the day. I, I thought that was actually one of the best pieces of bipartisan legislation that we've ever seen in my lifetime. But, but I'm actually a conservative. You know, I, I think we should conserve the rule of law and put people who uh, break it behind bars and make it very difficult for them to ever get out again based on their own choices. But I'm also not attacking Kamala Harris from the left by claiming she's too hard on crime. You know, so I don't, I don't run the Trump reelect with a minus nine favorable on my own damn Rasmussen poll right now. So, I mean, what the hell do I know? I don't know anything here. Okay. But that notwithstanding. Okay. I know it's, you can save your emails. I know it's, it's, I know it's 40 chess. So if you don't like your three strikes and you're out, what do you guys think of 37 strikes and you're out? What do you think? 37 is okay. That, as long as is that enough do some so we more, can?
2: As, I, as long as we do some more criminal justice reform, I think that yeah, should be fine.
1: Can, can someone call Kim Kardashian and ask her, since that's who makes policy nowadays, and Ivanka? Can we call Kim Kardashian and Ivanka and ask them, how many strikes and you're out is okay? 24. And better yet, why don't you show up at the family, at the residences of those six cops in Philadelphia? All right? and And just give them an idea. You know, uh, Kim, Ivanka, Koch brothers, you guys just go ahead and head on over to their residences and explain to them why 28 strikes and you're out is racist. And just, you know, I mean, it, it it's discriminatory and uh, just too Byzantine. Do you, how many strikes and you're out do you think is is, is enough? Do you think? I mean, I know you're going to probably be partial to three because you're a baseball guy, right? But let's, let's try to moderate a little bit, Erzin. Let, let's try to be kinder and gentler and not as draconian. Seven yeah. strikes? Eight.
0: You want the real answer.
1: Twelve. Eleven? I- What's the number, do you think?
0: Year of no BS?
1: No, Year of no BS.
0: When the optics of leaving that scene are the cops being heckled? By the crowd yeah, I know. out there when those are the optics I know. I know, and you're afraid of confronting that because you don't want to be viewed as a racist the number cannot be high enough
1: I, I know and i think our audience needs to understand that's coming from a guy who's actually been harassed by the cops they tried to basically end your life you had to go to court to clear your name yep. okay so this isn't hey whitey you can whitey republican defaults the cops are always right okay um I mean, you. We've been you, pretty consistent that that is yes, not the case. that is not when, when because we believe in total depravity. Yes. we think it, a badge it, doesn't you, change. A that. badge in a uniform, regardless of what no. is, said, is said on it, does not absolve you from the systemic melt, no. you know, devolution of a culture. But in okay? this case, four of them took bullets right. to try to save you guys. Right, and your response was to uh, chant and cheer on the one the people who were shooting the cops who were trying to protect you. So. Okay, I mean, 37 items on his rap sheet, according to Daniel Horowitz, 37. So of course the mayor of Philadelphia wants to discuss gun control because we couldn't keep a repeated criminal off the streets. Therefore, you law-abiding folks must give up your weapons as we have proven to you once more, there's no possible way we could protect you from people like this. That's pretty much every gun control argument ever. That's every, that's every gun control argument ever. I'll even go back to the congresswoman who used to be a police chief. Well, if, if, if this is an eight-hour standoff, it's probably not a handgun. Okay, I agree with you on that, by the way. And first of all, and also thank you for your service as a, as a former police chief. I, I, I appreciate that. I think I probably speak for everybody in the audience when I say we appreciate that. Here's a follow-up question for you, though, ma'am. Why? Why? Why in, a, in 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 a sit in your in the city of Philadelphia, with all of its gun laws? Why did a guy with a rap sheet that has thirty-seven itemized uh, sections to it? Why? Why does he have any weapons? Why? Because what, we t- haven't passed the magic law yet. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Here's the question. And if and I'll I'll even borrow a line from Daniel. If we had a real movement and real political party. Here's how I would win this argument. I mean, there's a poll out yesterday that shows the American people don't believe like any of these laws will stop these things from happening, but they want them passed anyway. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it says. They don't believe any of these laws will prevent these things, but they want them passed anyway. So as someone who's had an extensive career in politics, let me tell you what that really means. People, make, people give you polling results like that when they're frustrated they're not sure what could be done. They just, got it. They just, have, they just want to believe something can be done. That's, that's really what that is saying. So it tells you there's a lot of people up for grabs. So if you had a real party and a, and, a, and a real movement, instead of Don Jr. lobbying his dad not to sell out on gun control, what you'd have is somebody would ask this question. Which liberties of the law abiding can we erode so that you can stop a 37 time criminal from obtaining a firearm in your city thanks and i'll hang up and listen what is it what what tell me tell me what freedom of the law abiding could be diminished marginalized removed eroded so that you could manage to stop a villain out on the streets with a rap sheet 37 items long from getting a firearm? What would that be, do you think? See, if you had a real movement and a real party, you'd be asking questions like that. Not talking bump stocks and red flag laws. You'd be talking stuff like that. But you don't. Know, so, you know, let's face it. You're going to be sweating it out today. You'll be, you're, you're, right now, Pray he doesn't tweet anything about this before close of business today. That's really since you don't have a real party and you don't have a, a real movement, that's what you're doing. You're hoping the lifelong New York City Lib who discovered conservatism in June of 2015. You're you're hoping that that he doesn't, you know, go back to, you know, where he was the previous sixty five years he spent on this earth and just react because MSNBC said something. Because that's all this we do here. That's all they do at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, that's all he does. I know for a fact, because some of them are my friends, there's some actual people working there trying to do some real work. The problem is the guy there that we put in the corner office, all he does is just sit around and just react to what's in the media all the time. That's it. So the best laid plans of mice and men. Why Why are we debating gun control when a guy who should have never seen sunlight again has the weapons to take on an entire police department in one of the largest cities in America? Why, if you're a gun owner owner in Montana, are you the problem? Wouldn't you love to have a party and a movement? Because see, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is my inbox is going to be full with a bunch of folks telling me, "I, I want the Democrats to win. Who's the one sitting here defending gun rights right now? There's two people. One's name is Steve Dace and the other is the president of the United States. Which one of us is defending gun rights right now against these silly arguments? Which one? Which Thank one? You. It would I, think be, you be, I think it'd be me. Yeah, it'd be me. So why are you, why don't you, why, why do you want the Democrats to win? Why are, why are you not caring when he's helping them to win? Oh man, Rasmussen is his own poll. It's a joke. Scott Rasmussen sold it years ago, does his own polling privately now. It's his own internal polling. And right now he is sitting in the Rasmussen poll at a minus nine approval in his own poll, in his own shill poll. I just, I can't believe there's not a wide swath of Americans responding to, let's not keep our promises to secure the border. Let's eliminate the debt ceiling altogether. Um, Let's go after law-abiding gun owners uh, in response to gun crimes with laws that would have stopped none of these gun crimes. Um, and and here's my tariff fetish from 1929. Except we do have a wide swath of voters that would respond to policies like that. They already vote Democratic. So, I mean, I, you could have gotten this from Mitt Romney. Could have gotten this from high energy Jeb. In fact, that's what we got. So we're not on offense. We're we're not. This ought to be the kind of case that ought to put us on offense forever on this debate. Forever. Forever. A 12-year rap sheet. And still he was able to acquire the firearms to take on a major metropolitan urban police department. While the people who could have died in the crossfire he started. Cheered the cops who were almost killed being almost killed. If that's not every argument ever for why I need to be able to be armed and defend myself and my family, I don't know what is that should have been like an, a a campaign commercial yesterday for the second amendment. But you know, uh, Rod Blagojevich was on my reality show once. So, you know, let me think about commuting his sentence and, and now I'm not.
2: Chris Cuomo is uh, Fredo. Thank you. Buy my shirt.
1: Yeah, thanks. That's. I'd almost rather talk about Beto relaunching his campaign again, again. Almost. Am I am I am I wrong? You guys tell me. I mean, what what I watched transpire in Philadelphia last night was every argument for the Second Amendment ever. But am I am I missing something?
2: With Trump right now, you know, the first couple of years we talked about we'd. He'd do good things for a few months, and then he'd go into a rut, and then people would start to get mad at him, and then he'd come back, and he'd do some. T- Guys, we are in like a nine-month rut right now with him. I mean,
1: can you? This year's been a disaster. It, it's Let's a, just be honest. It's, it's been terrible. It really He's, all, all the wrong reactions to last fall's midterm elections. Yeah. All the wrong, take every fight off the table, all the budget fights, take them all off the table. Whisper sweet nothings to Xi in China and talk about, I know him well, what a great guy. And continue to slurp all over North Korea. This, does, this has been a disastrous year. Turn visits into a, hosp- into a hospital ward where people are, are, are bleeding out from one of the worst mass shootings ever into a viral campaign video where I give thumbs up and, a, and, and pose with the hospital workers like it's, a, like it's backstage at my reality show. This has been a terrible year. It's been a terrible year, and if you're sitting here 410 days from whatever it is from now, watching Elizabeth Warren be declared the the winner of the of the election, look back in this period of time and realize this is how it happened.
0: You know, all of us who have tried to be sane in in what is it in the Dark night saying in illogical times, or tried to be decent men in in decent times. In, That's decent men in decent you times. You know, we've yeah. been trying to will this presidency. Uh, towards sanity and not fall for one of the stupid uh, binary tropes but it's just becoming increasingly geared that um, we are a people under judgment and we very much are we've been abraham in many respects trying to bargain with god Hey, if there's 40 people okay if there's 40 if there's 30 if there's 20 decent policy outcomes if there's 10 if there's five god's like sure God knows. I mean, th- there's no—no no one is decent. Not one. This scam is up, and he's going to make sure we either understand that or we choke on it by our own design.
2: I'm just—I don't wish—and I'm going to say this without any context. I, I don't wish ill will or um, hard times on anyone, especially this is coming from somebody who doesn't have kids yet— Uh, I'm just at the point where it's like, let's take the medicine and get that over with in a macro sense.
1: This is what you're watching with what's been a terrible year for this presidency and what's been a terrible year for the entire Biden candidacy. It's like a snapshot of, of the entire baby boomer generation. And in that video you sent out this morning, I saw you send from Catholic vote. Oh yeah, we're a bunch of yeah. uh, a bunch of elderly baby boom whiteies lecture the black priest. The uh, about <laughs> and, inclusivity about inclusivity because he's trying to yeah actually uh, hold a, an actual mass with some re- semblance of orthodoxy, and they're picketing him some- because it's not inclusive enough. If that is not a commercial. For a generation that has wrecked America, I mean just absolutely wrecked America, and then their offspring you 're watching their offspring, the Kamala Harrises of the world, since you guys since, since you guys just went ahead and abandoned all of america 's foundations and didn 't pass them on to us we 're now openly opposed to them, and now, late in life. Looking back, collectively a generation is like, well maybe men like Donald Trump and Joe Biden will save us from decades upon decades of crapping on what our parents, you know, fought a, a depression and a world war to pass on to us. And and if you're not willing to see just how brilliant these two absolute most days buffoons really are, then you just you either you just hate America and you you you're, you just want you want the bad guys to win. I'm just freaking sick of it, man. I'm just sick of it. And I'm just, I'm not going to pretend like it's okay. Like ever again. And I cannot wait until this generation leaves the stage. And if you're a baby boomer and you're offended by that, I'm talking about you. Because it's your generation. You should know. You're the ones that wrecked this place And you can't leave the stage soon enough so we have a chance to clean it up. More in a moment. Back here on the Steve Day Show. If you want to get full bore into a booming real estate market and uh, the, the mortgage environment is very friendly right now as well. Make sure though that you get a real estate agent that you can trust. There's plenty of people out there talking a good game, but then don't deliver the results as promised when needed the most. And that's why Glenn Beck and some of his friends started this company called Real Estate Agents I Trust several years ago because they learned that lesson the hard way. And now they want to help you not have to learn that same lesson the hard way too. Look for an agent that has a proven track record that's been vetted. That's what they do at Real Estate Agents I Trust. Also, uh, someone who's got a marketing plan other than how about another open house again this weekend and people that actually return calls understand the sensitivity of last minute requests. It's a very relational process between you and your agent. So if you have a rapport, odds even get higher that this will be successful. If this sounds like the agent you're looking for, go to the website to find the real estate agent that you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is that. trust dot com. Well, we're continuing uh, to help get the word out about the on-demand and DVD release this week of what I think is the most important movie of the year. I think it's, and I'm a big movie buff. I think it's one of the most important movies in recent memory because of where it goes and the story that it tells, but then how effectively it tells that story as well. And if you want to get your DVD or on-demand copy of Unplanned at a discount, you can go to cunplanned.com, cunplanned.com, and use my name, Steve, as a promo code, and you'll get that discounted price, cunplanned.com promo code Steve at a discount, and you're also going to help us raise money for Save the Storks, an outstanding pro-life ministry that reaches young women where my mom once was when she found out Christmas break her freshman year in high school at the ripe old age of 14 that she was pregnant with me. All right, so all of our proceeds from that promo code, we're not making a dime off of this. All of that's gonna be donated to Save the Stork. So you get a discount on a truly great film at the same time, raise money for a great pro-life ministry as well. Seeunplayin.com, promo code Steve. And if you're on our Facebook or Twitter pages, it's pinned right to the top of both our Facebook and Twitter feeds, at Steve Day Show on Twitter. One of the stars of that movie joins us now. Robaya Scott is here with us, and she plays um, uh, and plays it well. Uh, the, I guess we would say... Villain's a strong word, because the character's not presented in a one-dimensional way but maybe antagonist is a better way of putting it it's it's a pleasure to have you with us how are you
3: thank you i'm well uh yeah the reviews have said they've um compared me to Cruella deville so you know she's (laughs) (laughs) the character's intense let's just say that she's very passionate she's very focused she's very intense And, uh, she's not one, one color, but you definitely need her to bounce the story off of.
1: So Robia, when you were, when they offered you this role or, or what attracted you to playing this role in the first place?
3: Well, you know, I started my career as a teenager in Hollywood. I danced with Prince. I toured the world with him. I was on shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it was during my time on Buffy that I actually became a Christian. And I just felt God was pulling me away from entertainment. So I've been in full time ministry for the last fifteen years, I'm a speaker and author. I had no intention of ever going back to Hollywood, and um, but you know, through a random God only series of events, I wound up meeting the writers and directors for Unplanned, Chuck and Carrie, and uh, they told me about the movie, and I was intrigued to be able to tell this story and to lift the veil and put the truth out there for people to see. Um, I read the script, I auditioned, and they offered me the role. So after a 15-year hiatus, God brought me back to uh, to tell this story.
1: You, I can't get let you get away with burying the lead there. So you were on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My wife and I, when we were first married, loved that show. Never missed an episode of that show. And and I have, and, and I, have, who, you know who I am. I, I thought you looked familiar to me. So so, you're going to tell me who you were, and I'm going to remember who were you.
3: Shorter hair, Jenny Calendar, the love interest for Giles for the first two seasons.
1: That's right. Yes, Giles is for those who don't know. Giles was uh, essentially the um, the Obi wan for the Obi Wan or Yoda for for this for the Vampire Slayer uh, place. Yes, you have
3: to always use Star Wars references with your Star Wars T shirt. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> yes. I got a nerd. Use nerd references to define the nerd references. But yeah. I am I am fascinated. You said you you got converted while you were on that show. Yeah. Um, Was it how did that occur? Was it uh, was it an ancillary event? Was it somebody that you were with there on the on the set? Because Joss Whedon, for being as brilliant as he is, is a crazed communist. So so give us the story there.
3: Well, it had absolutely nothing to do with being on Buffy. It just coincided with my time there. But I was seeking God. I was seeking truth. You know, I always believed in God, but I wasn't born again. And, uh, you know, I was very successful in the entertainment industry, but I was struggling with things internally. I was uh, just not feeling freedom or peace. So it led me to look for answers. And, uh, you know, I just had some people talk to me about Christ. And then I was seeking, and God wound up just uh, pulling me in.
1: Mm. Yeah. So you decide to take on this role what kind of research did you do into Planned Parenthood with with the average person within their corporate structure because except for their their um uh, and and I've done battle with them rhetorically and politically uh on uh, you know on numerous fronts for years they are notoriously secret except for who kind of the face of their individual state or national organizations are right yeah. so how did you do research because I'll, I'll just tell you you nailed it all right I mean you 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 yeah. nailed every aspect of of who those kind who those people are at the at the high ideological level the people that are the true believers how did you do the research into that
3: person I really played the embodiment of the entire corporation to the mm-hmm. best of my You know, I I was like most people, I believe, uh, most of our society and even our Christian culture. uh, I had the same understanding about Planned Parenthood that I believe the majority have because Planned Parenthood has been brilliant in using um, programming, television programming and media to do what television programming does, which is program us as a society as to what to believe. So I was among the masses. Um, that Planned Parenthood, you know, maybe offered abortion as a small percentage of what they do, but they're really about women's health and, and all of those things and, and uh, prenatal care and all of that. You know, to be honest with you, when I was first pregnant, I actually went to, pre, to Planned Parenthood because I, I thought that they would help me. So I, you know, that's what I believed. But it wasn't until I got this role. Um, that I started to dig in. And, you know, it's really not hard to research if you if you really have a desire to look it up. You know, Live Action is an incredible website by Lila Rose, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of information out there where you can learn uh, the essence of who Planned Parenthood really is, that they are first and foremost about abortion, that they have nothing to do with pro-choice. Ironically, the whole pro-choice movement is about choice, but in Planned Parenthood, you don't have a choice. They, You know, the average American, I don't think, knows that Planned Parenthood strategically does not show a woman her ultrasound because statistics show that over 90% of women, when they see the picture of their baby, they bond instantly and they will not go through with an abortion. Planned Parenthood knows this. So they don't show a woman her ultrasound. When you walk in those doors, their intention is to drive you into an abortion because it's a billion dollar corporation. That's just the bottom line. And there's so much, uh, there's so much to see on YouTube and on the internet. Um, undercover work that's been done to expose to expose Planned Parenthood, and uh, I mean, I could go on and on with how they cover up, you know, the sex trade with uh, kids coming in underage, uh, the selling of body parts. I mean, it, it really gets it gets intense for anyone who wants to know the truth. It is out there and available.
1: Hmm. And by the way, you mentioned they don't show ultrasounds. That's one of the things that Save the Storks uh, does so well is they do show women in those situations, those desperate situations. Are you fully aware of the ultimate impact of the decision that that you are contemplating making? That that it that it, it's 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 not as simple and trite as you are being sold, and it's far more complicated than that.
3: I love that you're saying that because I believe even on Planned Parenthood's website, <clears throat> excuse me, they state that. Most women have no emotional repercussions from having an abortion, which is such a downright lie. (laughs) You know, as a minister, as a woman who works with women, I've been doing this for 20 years, I'm all over the world working with women, I have never met a woman who's gone through an abortion who hasn't been uh, deeply wounded and traumatized, and even women who know God and love God uh, and are deep in their walk with Christ, I find that 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, after after having an abortion, they still are suffering uh, the repercussions of making that choice. You know, God is a God of forgiveness. This movie, Unplanned, is not about shame. It's not about blame. It's not about condemnation. It's a story of restoration, and God is or restoration, regardless of what choices we made. I mean, we've all made uh, choices we regret in our past, um, but uh, yeah, Planned Parenthood is just, they blatantly lie to women that, you know, it's a quick decision, it's the best decision you can make, you can move on with your life, but unfortunately, most women are not able to fully move on with their lives because of the guilt, the shame, um, the sorrow of making that decision. And they're in such a vulnerable place. When a woman is in that place, she's so vulnerable. Like your story. I didn't know that until I heard your intro about your mom being pregnant at 14. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. You know, we have these young girls and older women too, that are in a vulnerable state. So we need these, these pregnancy centers like save the storks and, and, and uh, you know, the other side of Planned Parenthood, women to nurture uh, people to support and nurture the women and not just drive them into um, that choice.
1: Robia Scott is here with us. She plays the Planned Parenthood executive slash uh, antagonist uh, that uh, drives the other side of the argument uh, in uh, the movie Unplanned, available right now out on DVD and on demand. So one of the things I found fascinating about the arc of your character in the movie, and without spoiling it for people who haven't seen it yet, but the arc of your character in the movie is very similar to how you just described Planned Parenthood's M.O., in that, uh, this begins. You're the, the pretty professional woman, sophisticated, well dressed. The other younger women that work underneath you look at you as, uh, the, the picture of, 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 of modern femininity slash, uh, feminism. They aspire to dress like you, to look like you. Uh, they, they seek your approval in things. Uh, you're, you're the cool kid at first. Uh, then Abby's, uh, Abby Johnson, uh, Ashley Bratcher, Abby John- who plays Abby Johnson in the movie, Abby is your prized pupil. You're, you're slowly, but you see promise in her. Or you're cultivating that relationship. Then she gets pregnant with her, her and her husband get pregnant. And she's concerned that, you know, well, is it okay for a Planned Parenthood worker to be pregnant? And no, no, you're totally welcoming. And that's your life. In fact, I think it will help people understand that we're not the bad guys here. And then little by little, the more and more that Abby gets kind of sucked in to this world. The more and more honest your character is, and it it, it of course culminates in, in one of the decisive scenes in the film when you guys are opening up a new clinic and you kind of let uh, the cat out of the bag because Abby Johnson is just one of these earnest pro-choicers that's just like hey, we're just trying to help women have options here and all of a sudden now you guys are asking me uh, to to take all the camouflage off you're at, you're asking me to be the the little, the little wolf in Little Red Riding Hood and I'm not even going to dress like grandma now I'm just going to show my claws and fangs and be totally honest with what we're all about here out here uh, at the clinic and, and I I think the way that that character was, was crafted and its story arc through the film, it's very metaphorical to what really the Planned Parenthood culture has always been and how it's operated in the first place.
3: I agree. It was really all on the page and in the script. So I just played what was written. And for me, one of the greatest desires about doing the film, not only to lift the veil on Planned Parenthood and this abortion industry, but exactly what you touched upon in terms of feminism um, to you know, for me as a as a woman to represent uh, feminism and then have a platform to really undermine feminism, um, because again, feminism uh, has has been portrayed in a way through the media that makes it seem attractive to young women. Uh, you know, independence and having a voice and and equal pay and and, and leaving my mark in the world but that really is not the origin of what feminism is it has nothing to do equal pay has nothing to do with the roots of feminism um and so again this is another area in our culture where it just it needs to be exposed uh feminism really undermines the family unit it undermines men uh You know, we can be empowered women and make a mark in America, but we don't want to do it through feminism. So for me to be able to have a platform for that as well was another reason that I wanted to do this film to to expose what that really represents.
1: When when Carrie and Chuck shared this script with me about a little more than a year ago and I read through it, I what I was looking for. And, and I'm, I'm someone who I deal on this show. Sometimes I have to debunk or deconstruct political narratives and straw men arguments and constructs um, at times when I've been in part of campaigns, I've been, I've been asked to help craft them. So I've seen both sides of it. And, and what I really didn't want and where I, where I thought the film would, would, would limit its success its ability to be successful and impactful is if it created the other side the, the pro-abortion side of the argument as a straw man as a construct as a one-dimensional entity and What I was impressed by When I read through the script for the first time and then I think it bears itself out when you see the film Of course things go through revisions edits, etc But the original spirit that I saw in the script is there which is the truth is its own reward the truth is good enough we, we don't have to throw any more mustard on the hot dog we don't have to dress anything up we don't have to dress anybody down we don't have to pretend things are nice when they're not we don't have to make things mean when they're not either just an actual snapshot of what life is like in this world who the women are that get ensnared by it what their lives are like before during and after all we need to do is just turn the camera on and show the American people a world that has been denied to them. We really don't have to do uh, a political film here. And I think that's the genius of this experience. When I've only got a couple minutes left. When you read the script, did you pick up on that as well?
3: Oh, absolutely. That's what I loved about the, the script. It didn't seem like it was a couple Christian guys trying to trying to push their agenda and make a little Christiany film and glorify pro-life and vilify pro-choice. It wasn't that at all. It was really exactly what you said, lifting the veil, taking us inside uh, the clinics, um, seeing the behind the scenes, and seeing good and bad on both sides. And that's what I appreciate so much about Unplanned. They showed some of the pro-life people as these radical, really kind of off, people. They showed that side of pro-life. They showed the pro-choice. Many of the women who work in the clinic as really uh, authentic women with good hearts who believe they're doing a good thing. So, you know, this wasn't this one-sided black and white a cliche kind of story. And it wasn't even like a Bible thumping, you know, Christian-y, let me throw a little scripture in every other word. It wasn't that either, <laughs> which I so appreciate about the movie. It's such an impactful story. It's, it's uh, emotional. And like you said, it really just puts the truth on the screen, which we haven't seen. You know, we've seen violence on the screen. We've seen murder on the screen. We've seen sexuality. We've seen so much on our television screens and our, on our movie screens. But this type of imagery, this story, we have not seen on the screen and everyone who i have encountered i've been to so many private screenings people are just uh it's such a visceral emotional experience because it's truths that we as a people have not seen with our own eyes
1: very well said if you want to get your copy of this film Maybe you haven't seen it or you have, but you want to be able to now share it with those who have not. Seeunplanned.com. That's the website. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code to get a discount when you get uh, either a DVD or the streaming options. You can even do both if you'd like to do that. And yes, Blu-ray is available as well. I guess I kind of just felt like Blu-ray was kind of automatic these days with DVD, but I've had people ask me, "Does it is it not on Blu-ray? I didn't even know people still bought regular DVDs, but DVD to me is Blu-ray. It's like all one thing. All right, Blu-ray, DVD, on demand. Seeunplanned.com. Use promo code Steve for the discounted price. Robia, Scott, uh, thank you so much for joining us here. You did a great job in the film. It's been a pleasure talking with you here today on The Blaze. God bless.
3: God bless. Bye.
1: What do you guys think of that conversation, Todd?
0: I can't believe you got a value-added Buffy. Yeah, I didn't the know that was coming. Slayer. I thought
1: the whole time she looks really familiar to me. Yeah. She's been in something else I've seen, and I finally got I really, the answer. I thought yeah. you
0: were going to weave in one time. You told us a story about that, like the town is built over
1: something. It's, it's and, built over a Hellmouth. Yes. It,
0: yes. And how yeah. it? Didn't you say? I mean, there's some Christian allegory going on, if accidental or not. It, it, so. it,
1: it, I, I, I promise, given who Whedon is, in this case, it's accidental. But this notion that the community doesn't want to accept right, and recognize the evil that is right in its face, right. okay, it just wants to ignore it. Yeah. it, it and, 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 and Buffy's heroics, they hate it because her heroics remind them that they need saving in mm-hmm. the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: I, I was drawn mostly, she's like most people, they don't, they don't want to just cash a check with this she wanted something real and efficacious something that even though they won't necessarily understand the timing of how it saves lives that this kind of thing is done according to uh, god's purposes in the way it's communicated and it's not just ham-fisted and you you can see that that's why she came out of retirement so to speak because of the authenticity of it
1: yep well said all right we'll come back uh speaking of god's purpose some theology thursday One of our more popular segments every week is coming your way here next, live and on demand on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. We're back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, by the way, if you would mind leaving us a five star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be very, very grateful. Why? Because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms um, are benevolent towards us and help us to find more people like you. And then the more likely we are to continue to do this for a living as opposed to the three of us having to get real jobs, okay? So thank you to the thousands of you that have left, left us one of those five-star reviews. If you would be so inclined, we would be grateful on the podcast platform of your choice. 888 is the number here to the blaze. Steve at stevedays.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Richard just uh, emailed us. Not sure if at the end of last week and so far this week, you're going to have any listeners or viewers left beside me, but long live the year of no BS nonetheless. Hey, Richard, last one out. Turn uh, out the lights.
2: Speaking of no BS, that was that, was that email. Indeed.
1: Uh, I got to share this note. This is from a Larry Miller talking about the, uh, the, the Jeffrey Epstein Stein latest news now. That injuries are actually more in line with a strangling, uh, like you've been, that means you've been murdered, right? So you now have to believe the new chain of events is he managed to internally have the strength and leverage to break bones in his neck through hanging himself when we're told that he hung himself from like a bedpost or something, right? Isn't that what the story was? Somehow, yeah. Yeah. Because there would be nothing, no, no, nothing to hang yourself from the ceiling with, in the cell. How many more things? How many more things are are we going to be forced to have to believe as a bunch of random occurrences? Come on, man. Come on. Larry Miller writes, um, while the medical examiner was out to lunch, Jeffrey Epstein cremated himself. <laughs> That's as legit as anything else we have heard in the last several days, as far as I am concerned. Let's get to it. Theology Thursday, brought to you by RidUZone, who wants to help you reach the health goals that you're striving to make right now, and maybe you feel stuck. And then you're wondering, you know, I know I'm eating too much, but I'm just... Now that I'm active and I'm hungrier often and I'm eating too much, how do I control my portion sizes, my cravings? Because it is not what you eat. Take it from somebody who has gained about 150 pounds and then lost well over 100 of it. All right. So I've been on both sides of this equation. It is not what you're eating, unless you have a food allergy, then it is. But, um, and if you have that, then you need to make the appropriate choices, right? And get, you know, medical guidance where that's concerned. But beyond certain food allergies or or those kinds of digestive ailments, it's not what you're eating, it's how much. And that's where Riduzone comes in. They want to help you with your portion sizes, with your craving control. And here's how it works. It takes the signal that's supposed to go from the gut to the brain to let the brain know when you're full. And it boosts it because that's all Riduzone is. It's that same signal, which is called OEA. That's the fancy abbreviation for it. And that is what helps the brain to then do its job from there. This is not loaded with chemicals or stimulants or caffeine. It's simply about boosting the OEA in the body to help your gut say to the brain, we're full and we can stop eating to get your portion and craving controls under control. All right. If you want to try RidUzone, use my name, Steve, as a promo code at RidUzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for RidUzone.com. And when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, they'll give you a special offer right there on the website, RidUzone.com. So this week's Theology Thursday we are going to revisit a topic that we have we have discussed several times already. But I, I, I think it is so paramount to the era in which we live that we're going to reset this thing on a on a regular routine basis. And this time it comes via a question from Charles Zawadny, I think that's how it's pronounced, who asks, Enjoy your theological studies. I've spent a lot of time in scripture as well as in commentaries dealing with Romans 13, particularly verses one through seven and whether there are limits to how how much obedience a Christian should give to government. For example, obedience to a Hitler, a Maduro, a Stalin. And then the second question is, why is there minimal preaching about government from the pulpit aside from the tax status issue? When God's laws are broken, I believe there is a responsibility for the pastors to say so. I hope you'll consider one or both of those questions. Absolutely, Charles. In fact, in many respects, you're asking the same question, just two different ways. All right. So, for those that don't know, Romans 13 uh, both describes it, it, it's found in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, which is in the New Testament. And Romans as a whole, just my own personal opinion, I, I believe it is the finest work of theology that's ever been unleashed in the history of humanity. Um, It has a rhythm to it. It demolishes arguments against the gospel. I mean, crushes them, grinds them to powder and then blows the powder away. So let's left. There is like the little film of where these pagan arguments once existed. (laughs) All right. Um, But then it will right after it does. So it turns, it turns right around on you as a believer and we as a church I mean, it, it to, so that no one walks away unscathed from Romans. It is it is the double-edged sword, wielded with maximum efficiency and devastation. But then it ends on this very highly poetic note, and in the, even in the middle of the scathing, there's this highly poetic eloquent inspiration that you find in chapter eight, for example, which is some of my favorite portions of scripture for all things work together for the glory of God. And for those called according to his purposes, if God be for us, who can stand, who can ever stand against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And Paul even goes on to articulate what that nothing is. It's, it's like the apex of a brilliant man at the, at the, at the pinnacle of his ministry under under inspiration uh, from the Holy spirit. And it devastates arguments against the gospel that won't even emerge yet at the time of its writing that we deal with in our day and age, 2000 years later, but it doesn't let the believer or the truth wielder off the hook. You don't come out of Romans, all self righteousy you come out of there. realize twofold as a believer, you come out of studying Romans. I believe with two responses to it. Number one, the awesome, Answer to who we are, why we are the way we are, and why the world is the way that it is, that only the gospel can provide. That three-pronged answer to those three most critical questions to humanity. But then also, the awesome responsibility that you and I as believers carry by being what a lot of the world will see as the instruments for it. You can tell a lot about a a church's seriousness by how they treat the book of Romans. If you're in a church that hasn't preached on it in years or has kind of preached around it when it's tried, get out. You're wasting your time. Because Romans, it tackles everything. Everything. Depravity, predestination. Paul, at some of his most honest, I have this thorn in my flesh. It never really tells us what it is, which I think is wise. Because if we didn't have the same thorn in our flesh, we'd kind of think, well, that doesn't pertain to me. But by not revealing what it is that is tempting Paul to essentially betray God, we kind of can all magnify our own thorns in his stead. I I mean, it's just, it's it's the theological, it's Babe Ruth calling a shot. It's Michael Jordan at the free throw line against the Utah Jazz game-winning shot with this follow-through. I mean, it's just, theologically, it is the goat, as the kids say today. And in the midst of this book, as Paul is is defending and articulating an overarching biblical worldview, all of the themes after the Gospels, all the themes that the New Testament addresses, all are, are articulated at some point in time in the book of Romans. All of them are. And in the midst of this, Paul is talking to the people of Rome living under a pagan ruler, as he is as well as a Roman citizen. But they're living in the epicenter there and in Rome itself. So a lot of, a lot of our knowledge of when the book was written, we believe Nero was the emperor at the time the book was written, or at least another Roman emperor known for persecutions. So if you're a Christian in Rome at this time, If you're a Christian in the Roman Empire at this time, you're in danger. But if you are in the outskirts, you know, if you're out in Antioch, if you're in Ephesus, or you're way out in Asia Minor, it takes a little bit of time. You know, they didn't have the internet. Couldn't next day air a death decree. All right? So if Nero woke up on the wrong side of, 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 of the orgy that morning, it would take a little time if you were on the outskirts of the empire for his perversion and persecution to get to where you were but if you lived in rome it could get there in five minutes heck he might light his own city on fire and then blame you as a body of believers for it spark a persecution so it's in this time period with christians living under a constant threat of persecution and how to how to navigate this You know, because Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And yet when the Romans executed him, they put a sign over his head that said, king of the Jews, they viewed him as guilty of insurrection, sedition. And now we're bringing in what are called Gentiles, because you have to understand Paul's a Jew and in the Jewish view of history, going back to the beginning of the Torah, the world is divided really between Jew and Gentile. Those are kind of the, the two kingdoms at work. And so now they're bringing all these Gentiles now in to worship who the, the Jewish portion of Christianity believes is the Jewish Messiah. And so how do we navigate that? Because they've got different customs about eating, dressing, all kinds of other things. And some of them might be Roman citizens. and they might, have, they might have fundamental rights that most of the Jewish members of the Christian faith don't have. Paul was a rarity, a Jew and a Roman citizen other than given some accommodation for religious freedom because the Romans knew that the Jews so fervently believed in their faith that if they tried to pollute it, they'd be rebellion every single time. So the Jews were often given a, an accommodation for their religious freedom from Rome that other religions were not, almost as a deference to their conviction. But most, vast majority of Jews were not Roman citizens. They didn't have habeas corpus rights like Paul has. And so there's a lot to navigate there, isn't there? In, a, in, a, in, a, in this pluralistic society. And so to kind of lay down some markers, in, the, in, in, the, in chapter 13, Paul articulates both what is to be the role of government and its purpose on earth. Why God permits governments to exist. And then what is both the role of government and the governed. And so this, this notion that government is to be a sort of righteousness against the evildoer. Where does that come from? Like that what government does is 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 to protect our rights by punishing evil. Where does that notion come from? It comes right out of Romans thirteen. that's where That's where Paul describes it as an avenging angel, an instrument of God, when it's being used in a godly way, to punish evildoers and avenge and defend the righteous. So then how are we as believers to relate to this? thing called government, particularly when it's not operating godly. And if you read Romans 13 without any context, you're going to come to the conclusion that anything government tells you whatsoever you must do as a believer. If you just read it at face value, see, this is why I'm sola scriptura. I'm not solo. And believe me, that last vowel is a doozy. Okay, sola means scripture alone is the primary ultimate source for truth, for ethics, for ethics, for the revelation of the character of God, for God's prophetic plan, etc. But it's not the sole source of truth. Because if you understand the history of the church, and sometimes that word is, we use a word for the history of the church, tradition. If you understand the history and the tradition of the church, it puts words and situations and expressions that were unique to the experience of believers in the first century that may be difficult for us to understand and translate 2,000 years later into a far better context. Because if Paul really meant in Romans 13 that you are to obey and do whatever government says, no matter how ungodly, then, then why was he beheaded? Why was he martyred? Why was he persecuted? Because he wasn't willing to do everything government told him to do when what they wanted him to do was ungodly, when they wanted him to deny God. They wanted him to deny Christ. They wanted him to worship Caesar as Lord. Kaiser curious was the phrase in the day of the day, as opposed to Christos curious. Well, if you if you're if you're ignorant of this tradition and of this history, you're going to struggle with this principle. And then you're going to, and then even if you are cognizant of this history and tradition, you might think that there's an apparent one of those dreaded Bible contradictions. But you have to understand, Paul is writing to people under the expectation. Remember I had, we had the the star of, one of the stars of Unplanned, Robia Scott, or Robia Scott here with us, right? And in my mind, like I, I don't know anybody that buys plain DVDs anymore. I didn't even know they really even sold them. So, I mean, you don't. You you can't get a movie on demand that's not HD even on Netflix anymore. I don't think you can even buy a non-HD TV at a store anymore. So in in my can you even buy a non-HD TV no. anymore?
2: No, I don't think so. So
1: in my mind, when I say something's out on DVD, I just assume everybody knows I mean that you get it on Blu-ray because I I live in a world where everything's either HD or it you know I, I don't. That's where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm assuming you know this because we are kind of of the same culture from the same t- time period, the same custom. I assume you, you know that there's nothing is made anymore that is not in some form of a high definition. Nothing is broadcast anymore that's not in some form of a high definition except for some obscure channels at the, on, on, your, on your satellite dish. Similarly, Paul is assuming, I believe, that you as a believer understand the chain of command. That since you follow a Lord, the government murdered. And since Christians at this time period were being martyred and persecuted regularly and routinely. You have to understand, Paul is writing this initially to the people in Rome, not to you and me, to the people in Rome. The people in Rome are living under persecution threats all the time. And the persecution comes because they, they refuse to worship the, the king as God. They refuse to worship the state as God. They are willing to serve the state all the way until it demands their absolute allegiance as the divine ultimate authority of this world and the christians are saying yes to rome on everything except this last question but that's see that's that last question is really the 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 yes answer government ultimately wants really because government is a jealous god too government wants you to have no other gods before it too In fact, government would be just fine if you didn't take part in all of its pagan revelry provided at the end, when it asks you to jump, your response is how high. That's really what it's about. All all of the debauchery that it promotes is to tempt you to worship the state as God and not God. And then once I get involved in these subcultures of debauchery, then I, then I kind of start aligning with the state over God because I, I enjoy it and it's fun and I don't want it to go away and then I don't want to be held accountable for it when the guilt and the shame comes. I want somebody to tell me it's okay and the government will do that for me. So when Paul is writing this in the first half of the first century to, a church, to the church in Rome, they're constantly watching their brethren arrested in the dead of night Watching their their brethren crucified in the middle of the day, because they 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 won't worship the state as God, because they will say to the state, "I you I will not do what God says not to do, no matter what you threaten me with." This is baked into his cake here. He doesn't have in mind what will 21st century American believers do when there's a when the, when the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is is blurred that's not what he's thinking is the book called americans what's the book called is it called americans romans romans so who's he writing it to the romans now the holy spirit can walk and chew gum at the same time so there's vast thousands of years long applications to this but the pri- i didn't say soul but the primary audience is to who the church in rome And the church in Rome is faced with this conflict at an existential level every day. Peter and John go to the temple to preach. They're beaten for it. Paul holds, when he was Saul, holds the tunics and the gowns of those who stoned the first martyr Stephen to death for preaching the gospel at the temple. He's been on both sides of this this act, of this equation. So what he is assuming that he doesn't have to tell a Christian in Rome not to worship Caesar as Lord because they're being threatened with their very lives for their refusal to do so. So what he's writing here is, and there's a key phrase, give honor to those whom honor is due. Give Nero all the honor that he is due don't play in traffic. Don't go out in public at the West Side Conservative Club when the camera's rolling and you're already on you're already on thin ice and intergalactic probation and just say stupid poop. And then wonder why everybody thinks you're a racist. Don't do I'm just not saying that's happened recently. But like don't do stuff like that. When there's a down power line. Don't think, that's trippy. Let's check it out. Run, flee. He's telling them, don't instigate the king any more than he already is. Because, you know, earlier in that book of Romans, he says something about redeeming the time. Redeem the time you have. The time is short for the days are evil. Same guy wrote those words, too. So don't egg on your persecution and martyrdom. Stand in the gap when it arrives. But don't egg it on. Use the time and talent and treasure you have for the time that you have to stand for the gospel. Don't be an idiot. Don't argue about stupid stuff. Don't argue about what the tax rate was to fix the Appian way. There's... You know, you're standing for something far more important than the Appian way. And when it's gone and run over by weeds, the words of Christ will still remain. That's your testimony. That's what he's telling them. He's not telling them to be servile dolts. He's assuming Christians in Rome who are faced on a daily basis with, is this the day they knock on our door? Already know not to worship the state as God and not to win in rome do as the romans he's assuming they already know this but what he's telling him is don't make a bad situation worse don't needlessly provoke the state and even as bad as nero is he's he's at least probably putting some murderers hanging them for you so they don't threaten your children out in the streets be the solution not part of the problem that's what this is a this is what this is about whether the Christian should do an armed insurrection against Rome or not. Not do whatever Rome says. That's not what it's about. And it would just be assumed you'd know this. I mean, I, I would assume Paul's like, dude, I'm 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 writing this, I'm in house arrest in Rome. I'm writing to the church under constant persecution in Rome. I have to tell you, I I, I would assume I don't have to inform you of your persecution. We're all living it here, right? And if you understand the context of that, then there is no contradiction because it makes perfect sense what he meant and it absolutely makes perfect sense why they cut his head off for what he meant. Because what Paul meant was when it's at all possible, live in peace with everyone. He writes those words in Romans too. When it's at all possible. All the time, no matter what. Is that what Paul wrote? All the time, no matter what. Is that what he wrote? No. What did he write? When it's at all possible. And if you told Nero no, he didn't care if you told him with the nicest words possible or with a sword, you got the same treatment anyway. Because either the state is God or God is God. Now, when Democratic presidential candidates like Kamala Harris say, we cherish religious freedom until you tell us that we can't tell you what your religion teaches. They're speaking with a forked tongue. And if she becomes president and tries to impose this, you're to say no. I will not do that. I won't. And yes, you should use all of the, Paul did this. Paul used all of the devices of his Roman citizenship. He used the habeas corpus of the first century to defend his rights. You should do the same, like when the Little Sisters of the Poor, Hobby Lobby, Liberty, took the Obama administration to court. But don't do what E-Harmony did. See, E-Harmony took him to court too. And then when they lost, they disobeyed God. Don't do that. When you lose... Not if, but when. For in this world, you will have many troubles. When you lose, the answer remains still no. Nope. And in fact, the fact that I did lose, despite the fact all the facts are on my side, all of American legal tradition is on my side, the exact wording of the Constitution is on my side, and you, judges, you looked at all of that and said, you don't care. You want your way instead. Only confirms that I should tell you no. You're not God. And I'm never worshiping you as such. See, Paul's writing to an audience that is well aware that it's going to lose something that the world values for the sake of its Christian faith. He's just telling them don't make it worse, don't be stupid. Honor the king. When he's with even a terrible king, honor him when honor is due. When he is performing his duties as a king, even if he's a terrible person, honor him. But the minute he steps out of that box and he demands honor that he is not due, don't that, that you know render under. I believe a man preached a sermon about render under Caesar that which is Caesar's and render under God's that which is God's before Paul wrote Romans thirteen. If my memory is correct, right? Some guy, yeah, some dude. I think mentioned that before Romans thirteen ever came along. So the problem we have, if you want to know why you have presidential candidates saying the things Kamala Harris is saying, is because we as American Christians now, we have not lived in a world where we just assume there is some price to pay for our faith. We are used to being the majoritarian impulse in the culture and ultimately getting our way one way or the other, usually when you're the majority. But we're not anymore. So I have good news for you. If you've been concerned in the past that there's been a misapplying of Romans 13, a misunderstanding of what it really meant. (laughs) I bring you glad tidings of great joy. You are soon to experience the true exegetical ramifications of Romans 13. You will soon in real time, all of you, myself included, will be given a reckoning opportunity to learn what Paul really meant by Romans 13 so there will be no more confusion. Be patient. Your test will arrive soon. Hey, that recent Amazon Capital One data breach just hit. 106 million of us just had our names home addresses, and our banking information exposed. Forget credit card theft. Your far greater risk is home title fraud. Title fraud is rampant because identity thieves figured out that title and mortgages are now kept online. Their big payday comes by forging your name off your home's title. So it appears that they own your home and then they borrow all of your equity until it's gone. Uh, Forget your insurance, your bank or identity theft program. They can't touch this, but Home Title Lock does. And they do it by locking down your home's online title and mortgage. The first 60 days after crimes like the Amazon server Capital One breach are crucial. That's why we got you today 60 days of free Home Title Lock protection. Risk-free, 60 days of risk-free Home Title Lock protection right now. All right. Claim your 60-day risk-free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Enter your home address. Find out if you've already been a victim. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Again, HomeTitleLock.com. Before we get to three non-political questions, you gentlemen have any follow-ups to this week's Theology Thursday, any participles dangling that must be confronted, any chads hanging which must be Closed within the loop.
2: I could have summed up. And I'm not trying to brag here, Steve. I could have. I could have summed <laughs> that up right? that entire entire half hour soliloquy that you so articulately presented with uh, this sentence. We're more likely than not going to go to jail.
1: Yeah. I mean, outside of the majoritarian impulse of Americana, why? Why was there? We have a majoritarian impulse here because this is a country that was largely founded and inspired by. Christian teaching in the Christian church. I mean, the, most of the various colonies, for example, were commissions of the Christian church, okay? So when you live in the only country ever that's that's been founded with original inspiration of, of the Christian faith, you're gonna be in the majoritarian impulse for at least a while, but that's ending now. Maybe even over. I would argue we live in a post-Christian culture nowadays. So... Now, this is going to start to look like what it's looked like in every other culture that Christianity is tempted to interact with. You're going to go to jail eventually. It's going to happen. You know, I mean, that's the reality. You're going to be compelled to decide choose ye this day whom you will serve. You know, if, if, if the state is God, go and serve the state. But if God is God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's coming, it's already here. You're just not, maybe if you haven't realized it, you're just not in the baking or florist industry, or you're not a military chaplain, or you're not trying to get accredited as a Christian counselor right now, <laughs> all right? But but those are the, you know, those are the front lines of where this is ultimately going holistically and systemically, Todd.
0: Um, my only... Summary, I guess, of what you said is that what you basically laid out in focusing specifically on a, a time and place, and then how that uh, properly carries over and how it doesn't. If I may use what I believe is, you know, it's not a Catholic way of speaking, but a, a evangelical way of speaking is, is right relationship. You, you, that's what context is, and it uh, it's a problem, not just of this age, of, but reading the Bible throughout history, of reading it without right relationship. I mean, God is a uh, relationship, so when we say God is love, if we do not understand that relationship, we get a really stupid version of what love is, and if we do not understand the right relationship of reading the Bible within appropriate uh, levels of context, we get erroneous versions of how we are supposed to live our lives um particularly when the fire hose is turned all the way up to 11 or the fires are getting really hot and we'll find ways to make excuses to make life more comfortable when the very answer we're supposed to have no it's supposed to be pretty darn comfortable so uh read that bible with the courage of the context of right relationship
1: let's get to three non-political questions
2: We need a little break from the fall demise of Western civilization. Three non-political questions brought to you by me. Question number one, what's the most controversial non-political or culture war opinion you have?
1: The most controversial, well, right now, especially in this studio, um, I would would say that... uh, it's the fact that I think the Last Jedi is a great movie, <laughs> All right. And every
2: time I just want the record. Steve brought that up this time, not Todd. Yeah,
1: well, and I mean, every time that I feel like that uh, uh, Homer Simpson gif, where I just want to <laughs> quietly back into the bushes, you know. Um, I feel like tweeting out to hashtag confess your unpopular opinion, but right now I kind of feel like it's that because I, I do I think the Last Jedi is a great movie. I don't, we don't have to rehash the whole thing for the 10,000th time. I agree it's a poor sequel to The Force Awakens, but it's a, I think it's great filmmaking. Um, I'm not even nearly as offended at the story uh, as, as the rest of you guys were. But I also understand, even especially in the conservative sphere, I am in a distinct minority. And I, I keep watching the film. I, I keep trying to convince myself to hate it like everybody else does. And I just, I can't bring myself to do it. So I, I would say right now, my view of The Last Jedi, although a lot of this is because people don't like it because they thought they saw or believed there was a certain political bet to it. But I, I got to believe my most unpopular opinion right now is that it has to be my love of The Last Jedi as a film. Got to believe that's it, right? Certainly in this room it is anyway, for sure.
0: Mm, yeah, probably in
1: this room. Um, you can, you're like, but Steve, I, you have so many other yes, opinions that I suck that I know people rightfully hate. Is that's that what pretty, you're thinking? It's
0: pretty low hanging fruit right <laughs> there. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, obviously. Is there if, another
1: one I could have come up with that you were like, you could have gone with that one instead.
0: I couldn't get past my hatred of the last Jedi. I, while I see. You were talking, I, that's so that. I, I know. I know. Yeah. What's yours? Well, I, I, we all have obvious answers. Isn't my hatred of instant replay? Um, Dang, I, I forgot
2: the, this. I always try to form these questions huh? trying to get your 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 you know your kind of boilerplate uh, boiler boilerplate answers out of the way. Right. Yeah, I just so, totally forgot
1: that. I yeah. come I don't think I don't think you're is out on the That's limb on It's replay as That's much true. as we were even a year ago. That's not super content. Oh, I know. Okay. It's, I think I think more and more people are starting to think that I mean, you know, it's getting to the point of ridiculous. So give me another one. I give well, here's Aaron another what, one. here another one.
0: Okay. Here's one. Uh I've got an alternative take on and it's on the um the crazy parents in youth sports thing. Okay. You know, the parents in those specific instances are like in a lot of other specific instances off the rails. But then this is used to make some grand indictment of how youth sports has somehow uh, gone off the rails and we've forgotten what it's all about I, the, the actual the opposite is actually true in most cases you know p- parents are the reason this is possible in this day and age. for the, the time talent and treasure parents pay to make this possible and i recently got into a debate with a, a soccer guy and this is where you steve you're right about the one world go- leisure arm of the one world government, because there are experiments going on in Minnesota and California where they just they won't let parents come to the games and watch, because they say that. And I just said you, you people, you're insane. You this is just this is ethically
1: debased. Uh, to, they pushed you. What I hear you saying is they've pushed you to the point now of defending parents at at youth sporting events.
0: Well, because most parents, are, it's their, okay, it's their kids. This isn't a commune. It's their children, and they have a right to have an opinion, one that is sometimes passionately expressed. Uh, yes, even <laughs> even on the sidelines. <laughs> That's a sometimes. euphemism.
1: Passionately expressed. Tell like that. Yeah.
0: because. That one where, and we don't even know the background. You know those people who were fighting at some youth baseball game or yeah. something. I mean, this, I, this, this guy may have been at the grocery store and done the same thing. He might have just been ready and set to go off. And it's not a particular indictment about what's happened of youth sports. It's just a jerk being a jerk. Oh, you, uh, the jerk store called, so, and it's yeah, all out of you. Anytime. You hear or see a story about uh, youth sports parents gone wild. Um, Just make right relationship context. Uh, Think, be be willing to question whether or not you are being manipulated by the same press that is trying to manipulate you on everything else.
2: So you're saying take it on a case-by-case basis?
1: Well, I'm saying,
0: I'm actually saying more than that. I'm saying more often than not, there is some...
1: So the pendulum in your mind has swung so far the other way to now yeah. the parents get the default benefit of the doubt. Your mind,
0: I want the pen okay. the parents to get the benefit of the doubt more often because okay. it, it, it's their kids, okay, and they pay for this. All
2: right. Wow. Yeah. That is that is interesting. That's a contrarian take. Yeah, it is no doubt. Uh, let's see. For me, it is. Uh, I, I realized this recently. I, Queen is is a terrible band. I just don't. I do not like their music. I mean. It comes on the playlist all the time. I just I, Freddie Mercury is a great singer. Can't stand the rest of the band. Can't stand the, stand their songs. Question number two: What's wow. on your you mount? Let that stand? I will.
0: I don't. I mean, I, Queen's just kind of there for me.
1: Yeah. Well, kind of there is not the same as terrible. Like I don't believe they're one of like you know they're not a top ten or fifteen band all time, but terrible. Terrible. Well, see,
0: that's that's the kind of statement that we know is allowed within the dude code. I mean, he is allowed to, and then you you, you just have to say, yeah. See, but that's it's just... why it's
2: controversial. Yeah. That's the point of the.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be dumb, you know. I mean, they're not terrible. Overrated. I might even get, let you get away with, but that's not controversial. terrible. Yeah. Terrible. It's terrible. Queen's terrible. 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 That, that baseline on another one bites the dust. Just you know, kind of kind of mediocre to you a little bit a little bit dueling banjos for you
2: uh yeah 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 just a little bit yeah Uh, okay that's great all right um what's on your mount rushmore of seasonal food and drink
1: you want to go first seasonal uh well I'm I'm doing the math I'll right now. First. in my head.
2: Okay. Uh, so these, I think these might be out all year. Actually, no, I don't think they are. The uh, the starburst jelly beans around Easter. You like those? Those are great. Kay. And I'm, I do not have a sweet tooth, but I'll eat, I'll go through those. Uh, it has to be the yeah. No, I can't I can't eat the McRib, Ron. Um, so. Because I've McRib? got yeah, that is seasonal. I can't eat the midrib. <laughs> the other McDonald's thing we just talked about it last last week was the uh, green shamrock shake. Yeah, yep. that's got to be on the list yep. as well. That's on my list. Uh, assorted assorted brats during summer and grilling season. Uh, Johnsonville always has different types of brats uh, that they bring out as well. And then the last one, um, the, the last one. I would say it would, yeah. again, I feel like I'm giving a couple of answers that I gave last week, but homemade ice cream during the summer, that's a seasonal food, because we don't hardly have that during the winter, because it doesn't make sense, but that's that's the top four anyway.
1: All right, I got my four, I think, okay? I've got three for sure. I'm not, I'm vacillating on the fourth, all right? But the three for sure, Cadbury mini eggs for Easter, and I always have to clarify this, no, we're not talking about the big fat ones in the individual wrappers with the you know, candied yolk in the middle. No. I mean, the ones in the purple bag. What I mean, let me let me quanti- quantify it even more specifically for you. I mean, the candies that will be in the little dishes at the marriage supper of the lamb. That's what I'm referring God, to. God, very many eggs. They're so, right. okay. <laughs> so exhausting. Okay.
0: So exhausting.
1: For Easter, shamrock shakes for St. Patty's Day, which was um, my ice cream answer last week, right? Yep. Um, all the pumpkin spice for the fall.
2: Yeah, so you're pumpkin down. Spice, you're, down all the you're down to clown with the pumpkin spice spam. They just, re, I mean, they just it's, announced. A, it's a
1: well, it's kind of like you know, spicing or doing a spiral version of a candied version of a spam. Right? Is it that big of a deal? I mean, if somebody did a candied pumpkin spice with a ham, would you for for the fall? Would you think that's nuts? No. So spam it's, is a ham-like substance,
2: right? Todd, he has gone so far. He is literally trying to talk his way out of something that is literally demonic. That's literally from the pit of hey, hell. Hey, I, I, went,
1: I went to Target last week as I had heard that they had the pumpkin spice frosted flakes already out. That's why you went to I Target? Went, I went there just for those, and they didn't that, have them yet, and I was very disappointed.
0: That, see, this is—do you hear all the things he said about the Iowa State Fair last year? <laughs> that just because I refused to entertain being surrounded. He went out of his way to go there for these frosted flakes— out into public, your choice. It's interesting the battles that you pick for being surrounded by the little people. <laughs> Fascinating. I will
1: <laughs> I to die, die on this wall. For no, I didn't mean to make. I see where you went. I, I, there, I go to I go to those places. I mean, I'm going to Walmart after the show today do our grocery, weekly grocery shopping with the wife. I just, I was, I wasn't pointing out that you. That's the only reason you'd catch me in a place amongst those (laughs) plebeians. That's not what I meant, Erz. And what I meant was, this is so important to me that I made a specific extra trip.
2: Oh, that's better. Just
1: to find (laughs) this. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's so much better Steve so glad let <laughs> me put the shovel down clarification
1: and I, I'm having a hard time with the fourth because there's so many great things at Christmas I, I think of the chocolate covered cherries my grandma Myrna who I loved and adored loved those I was raised on those uh, the, the Ghirardelli uh, chocolate flavors you know so I, how about I'll go with Ghirardelli's peppermint bark for Christmas but I, I could be convinced to put like 20 things on that fourth But I got to get some chocolate mint in there. So I'm going to go with Ghirardelli's peppermint bark. That's my other one.
0: I I think you can argue that all of the correct answers to this are on one plate at one time of year, and that's Thanksgiving meal. Turkey, uh, green bean casserole, uh, cranberry sauce, and pumpkin pie.
2: You know, that actually is an inspired answer, so I'm going to let that stand
1: yeah, I like it. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with it, but I I, yeah. I I think it was a valiant attempt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that patronizing enough that time? Because I was <laughs> trying to be patronizing that time. I still hold you in contempt for the
0: amount of time you just monopolized for your answer. So,
2: uh, final question: What weird or
1: useless talents do you have? I'll let you go first this time because I felt bad. I, I did take too much time last
0: time. Weird or useless? Well, we've we've crossed drinking vinegar. D- taking my morning swigs. My girls caught me doing it because normally they're just not staying in there. And swigs the of yet. what? Uh, apple cider vinegar. Oh, gotcha. Medicinal.
1: That's a big uh, superfood right yes. trend right now.
0: Yeah. Huh? yeah. That's well, not a trend. It's real. Okay. It's
1: real. So you like, that's your swigging vinegar? That's a talent? I do. Th- well, I mean, I don't know. It's
2: Keeping it down is a talent? I can,
1: I can turn any song into a riff on your mom.
2: Yeah, I know. That drives me nuts on Tuesday afternoons. Yeah, it, I, can, I, just, I can turn
1: any song, anything, into a riff on your mom. And now my kids all do it. They got their friends doing it. That's that's yeah. my spiritual gift. Yeah.
2: I'm really good at bloody knuckles. Like,
1: Nice. Yeah. Your mom was so hairy. Look like she got uh, buckwheat in a headlock.
2: My mom's watching right now, Steve. <laughs>
1: Oh. Saw your mom kicking cans in the street. I asked her what she was doing. She My said she mom was is moving.
2: Seriously watching right now.
1: Ty you still haven't given us yours. Like Drinking your- vinegar is not a not a not a, a stupid you, talent. You try it. It's a stupid fetish, but it's not a stupid talent.
0: I beg to difference What's a
1: talent? A talent. Stupid talent.
0: You're judging me after you just said your mama
1: jokes <laughs> and insulting their, his mom. I wasn't insulting his mom specifically. Oh, it was a generic
2: your it's just mom. It's just
1: generic your mom. Yes,
2: I took it personally. This hasn't
1: been about your particular mom the entire time. Yeah, sure. I just do it. So like I'm sitting around my house doing your mom songs. I'm not I talking just, about the McIntyre mom.
2: Mom, if you're it, you are watching, I know that because you watch every show. I give you permission to write Steve an angrily worded letter if if you if you feel like it, and uh, I will be having words with him after the show.
1: You still haven't given us a stupid talent.
0: I guess I don't have stupid talents. I'm not, I, I, I'd i give them to you. If all, I, my, all
1: of Todd's talents okay, are smart. Yeah. He doesn't have I any, stupid, have any talents. stupid talents. All my talents are smart. Todd, can you can you, rub smart your stomach? With the a. can you rub your
2: stomach and pat your head just so you can do something?
0: No.
1: Hey, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, <laughs> we're going to stick around do some overtime. Talk to Kurt Schilling. Is he going to run for Congress? We'll find out. Uh, for the rest of you, Uh, We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, and to Todd's Smart Talents, John 317. This is Steve Dace
3: on the Blaze Radio Network.